Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now, over to your host, Paul Higgins. Welcome to the Build, Live, Give podcast. Great to have you here. If you're a first-time listener, if you love the experience, please subscribe. If you're a regular, I'd love to get your feedback. You are fine to take notes, but all of the show is fully transcribed and is on the website at the end of the show. Uh, our guest today uh, had his start in music, was in a rock band, played guitar, and also worked uh, in the hip-hop environment, uh, was a radio presenter, etc. And then he you know, went into to sales. He went into an account management but around uh, the time that we all read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, he did, and uh, with some friends decided that he'd go out on his own in 2014. And what you're going to learn on this show is how to build relationships using cold email. That's right, relationships with cold email. He's got some very unique ways of doing it, and I learned a lot from that, and I'm sure you will as well. Also, how can you benefit from a fractional business development person and also when to sequence your content okay it's really important and he gives some great examples of that so now what i'll do is hand you over to dan englander from sales schema welcome dan englander from sales schema to the build live give podcast great to have you here dan yeah thanks paul appreciate it yeah so uh, look we met i think it was back in july of 2020 so it's been a little yeah. bit of time between meeting but uh yeah, yeah I, I loved your story then i love how you help a certain type of client which we'll talk about more in a moment which i love to work with as well but why don't we kick off with something that your family or friends know about you that we may not yeah, there's probably a lot of things and probably things that are more embarrassing than this, but I think the biggest one is just I, I have a background in, in music. There, I mean, the guitar, I guess, in the background is now public, so now this seems less private, but you know, I grew up playing in bands and stuff, and I think that kind of was my first my first drive, was wanting to, to do something with music, and I went to college, I remember, because I thought there'd be a music scene there. I went to UC Santa Cruz out in, you know, near San Francisco and I did college radio and stuff. So for some reason that was always the first thing I was into. And I think it's kind of informed, you know, now that I think about it, maybe subconsciously it's informed a lot of my decisions in terms of not wanting to be in a job or going to an office or something, even though I'd never ended up a musician. I think that that's probably, there's probably something to that. And that's something that, you know, friends and family are familiar with that most people aren't. Now is, uh, uh, another little secret. Did you start off doing some hip hop or was that, I saw that on your LinkedIn prof, profile. Yeah, so was yeah. it music and dance? I was never a hip hop guy. Like I never like made, made hip hop music. I was more, I played guitar and was into rock, but I, I did, I was a fan and uh, I hosted a hip hop sh- radio show on the college radio station, KZSC at Santa Cruz and became the hip hop director and interviewed a lot of rappers and stuff in the Bay area. So uh, so I was a fan then. I feel like I'm out of the loop now, though. Like, I don't know what what's going on. I think like Kendrick Lamar was like the last current artist that, I, I, that I'm a fan of that I know about. So I feel old now, <laughs> comparatively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, like you said, you had some account management roles and then, you know, moved in. I think it was about uh, six years ago, just over six years ago into 
sales schema. But why don't you just tell us a little bit about that transition, like you said, from the music that inspired you to always do something yourself. But, um, yeah, what did you learn in the account management roles and then uh, why, why do it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So basically like the, the long story short was I, I moved to New York in like 2010 and worked at an ad agency. Cause I think like, if you don't know what you're going to do and you're in New York, you kind of just fall into the trash bin of the agency world. So I was, I was in an accounts jobs, the job there and worked on some bigger consumer accounts and, you know, well, I, I did some interesting creative works, a lot of grunt work, a lot of answering uh, various problems on Facebook walls. This is kind of the relatively early days of social media, you know, being used by by brands and stuff. And then from there, I uh, kind of fell into a more a slightly smaller agency gig where I was kind of a split account sales role, um, where I was kind of shuffling back and forth between sales and client service, and then learned a lot from that. And then, you know, basically. Uh, got exposed to in a very very like cliche fashion. Got exposed to four hour work week and all that good stuff, and various friends that were doing side gigs and side hustles and self publishing and all that. And then around about 2014, quit my job. You know, traveled Asia for a while with my girlfriend at the time, and started Sales Schema basically. And that's and it's evolved, you know, since then. But basically, where we're at now for for those that don't know us, we're um, a, a an outsourced new business team focusing on the the agency space basically yep yeah brilliant and we'll definitely dig into that more because i know it's something that is very topical i get asked about that all the time so i can't wait to dig into that and who have been some of your biggest supporters running your own business yeah that's a great question and i think there's there's people all over the place so definitely you know our our clients and prospects and people we talk to i think that's one of the the things that i love about this business is that we know we're we're usually dealing with entrepreneurs with other business owners or people that are, you know, in leadership positions in companies. So I definitely learn a lot and get a lot of support from the people that that we're doing business with. And beyond that, you know, I've had a pretty, I'm lucky enough to have a pretty close knit cadre of people uh, that, you know, in a, like a mastermind group that I've had, man, five years now, you know, so some of my best friends are in that group and we see each other all the time. You know, a couple of them, we do Brazilian jiu-jitsu together under normal circumstances. So, so they, and they own similar businesses. My buddies, uh, Jan Roos and Nate Smith, for example, uh, and, and, and others, you know, my, my old boss, Will Gadea, who owns, um, idea rocket, which is an animation studio kind of selling into enterprise has been, been really helpful. And there's, there's probably others that I'm regrettably forgetting, but those, but I, I think that, you know, to digress a, a little, I think that there's more of this sort of like, squad based thing, you know, where, where there's a lot of different voices that come in and out, but I kind of keep circling back to the same people. And we've all had lots of ups and downs, you know, where one of our businesses is killing it and then down the next month and everything. So um, I think that's, that's definitely been useful to me. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think that's so important. I've been in lots of masterminds, but look, mainly paid and I've also been in some non-paid, but I think it's, it's so important. And just, you know, often when someone will say something, It'll just make me think. So it might not even be on the topic, but it just makes me think of something uh, different. And that's certainly what I miss about corporate. Like corporate used to be in those meetings all the time, bouncing off ideas and, you know, it can be very lonely running your own business as, you know, like you and I, we, you've got a, a team, um, but, you know, often I'm, I'm by myself and I'm the one who's got to come up with all the ideas. So it's great to, to bounce them off. So we'll move into True. the next section, which is the build section. So when people say, hey, Dan, 
uh, you know, what do you do for a living? How do you best describe that? Yeah, I, I basically say, you know, we we create relationships for our clients. We we open doors. We keep the pipeline full. Uh, we basically are an outsourced sales team, you know, for for our clients. And I think that what that entails, you know, to get tangible is is doing outreach in in a way that's tasteful and, and effective to create new relationships. Because one of the you know one of the most common things that I hear is. Um, we're, you know, we are a relationship driven business and I think that's great, but the relationship has to start somewhere. And that's, that's what we're looking to do is basically make that happen at scale. <laughs> uh, and I think that, you know, especially now, and it's definitely been a trend towards this direction. And then with the whole world going digital, um, it's not about like making that part of the arsenal kind of really is the, the, the only option or least one that has to be part of the mix in terms of figuring out how you would build those new relationships digitally. You know, that's, that's what we're really good at. Yeah. Look, I think it's so true, isn't it? Um, you know, I've had so many people approach me because they've said, look, you know, just my referral base has dried up, you know, it used to be from a lot of offline things, networks, those type of things. And, you know, and, and certainly when, you know, business is tough too, you don't often, you know, naturally think of referring other people, right? You you go to protect yourself and um, not because you want to, but sometimes because you have to. So, yeah, I think uh, moving to digital is so important. So what do you know about, you know, outreach on digital that, that many people miss? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, I, th- I think that the biggest one is, is basically keeping up with the consistency of it and, and kind of like understanding that, and not overcomplicating it. I think that's that's one of the biggest things that we see is this idea that you know we need to be everywhere, we need to be on a million different channels to make things work. And I think that it really makes the process uh, a lot more unwieldy for people. So I think bringing it back to first principles, it's the idea that you know the referrals and all that stuff. We used to kind of like beat up referrals and say, yeah, it's not enough. It's not enough to sustain your business. But the answer is. It's just because, you know, the organic sporadic referral might not be sustainable doesn't mean that you can't recreate that same sort of validation by doing outreach the right way, right? So what that means is that instead of just contacting somebody that you have no connection with, you know, to try to get them to have a meeting with you, I think it's more about identifying the sorts of people that will have a meeting with you based on a number of different commonalities, right? Something you might have in common with them. So that's the sort of sea change that we've taken in our approach because of what we've seen happen, you know, in the agency space. But I think it's just a microcosm of the the business world in general, which is that there's a lot more people out there, especially in a digital agency world where almost anybody can start an agency. So there's there's more literal competition, but there's also more macro overall competition for attention. So it's one of these situations where even if you have all the bona fides, even if your agency has great work, you know, and, and not, I want this to be bigger than the agency world, even if your company has all the check boxes and you're reaching out to the right person, it, it may not be enough to consistently or reliably get those doors open. So then the question becomes, you know, what's the next best option? And again, back to what I said earlier, it's it's going to be about identifying and reaching out to the people that will talk to you. So for example, you know, what, what to get tangible, what that means for us is instead of thinking about, okay, what can we build our clients a bunch of beautiful case studies or build these funnels where we're contacting people all over the place and saying, hey, hey, Mrs. CMO, you know, uh, like, like talk to us, look how awesome we are. It's more about figuring out, okay, 
what if we were to identify all the sea level people, you know, in, in Brisbane, Australia, uh, and I forget, sorry, I forgot what city you're in. I know, I know you're in Oslo, um, yeah. that went, went to the same college as Paul. Right. And, and also are in the right industries where the, the Paul can serve really well and also are in the right company sizes. And, and we said, Hey, uh, you know, I went to the same college as you. I, I think you're doing really good work. You know, I'd love to see how we can help each other. That's now a situation where we're going to be booking five, 10, 20 meetings a week and our clients are going to be closing, you know, millions in lifetime revenue by having that sort of consistency. So that's, you know, it, there's, there's, we do, we're doing it in a very sophisticated way at scale and everything. But even if, even if you never hire us or, or you, you know, you don't feel like you can do that, I think taking steps in that direction and kind of thinking, you know, about almost these evolutionary cues that we have, right? We, we, we tend to think very tribally and we want to talk to people that we feel like are, are in our world and, and, and so on, you know, in some shape or fashion, whether it's business or personal or some combination of the two. So I think starting from that barometer is, is a much better way to do outreach and also doing it, doing it tastefully, you know, doing it, not, not coming in as much of a hard sell. There's exceptions though, but that's that's kind of how how we are thinking about it these days. Maybe that'll right. And and is that predominantly on uh, LinkedIn, or do you apply the same thing? You know, LinkedIn email, like what what's your key channels of of building that relationship? Yeah, so we are using email these days, but I think and I think the channel matter matters. I think it uh, in some ways, which I'll get into, and I think it doesn't matter as much in other ways. I think the thing that makes that makes this work is that connection, you know, that, that, that commonality. And sometimes like there's exceptions to this, you know, you might not need to bring a bazooka to a knife fight. Like if you're selling Amazon services right now and you really understand Amazon, there's precious few people that, that do that. You might not need to be this sophisticated. You might be able to say, look, but in a skeptical market, which is most markets after a while, uh, then you you need to come with something that you know with a greater connection. So what I'm trying to say is that if you're able to have that connection with somebody, the channel doesn't matter as much. It could be LinkedIn, it could be email, etc. That said, you know these channels have idiosyncrasies. I think that LinkedIn has gotten to a stage where everybody can do it. Right, everybody can pull the same data. Everybody can go buy Sales Navigator for eighty bucks a month and contact the exact same CMO with a few clicks, you know, it doesn't take a lot of sophistication to do that. So as a result, LinkedIn's become a very spammy, very noisy place. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. There's a way to use it correctly. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying LinkedIn's dead or anything. And, um, but I think that's something to keep in mind. And and the other thing is that all these platforms, you know, outside of a list that you own outside of your own audience, um, are subject to platform risk, you know, and we've seen this happen over and over again, right? So that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take that risk. It just means that you also should probably be building a long-term asset that you own. And in my opinion, I, I think email is anti-fragile in this way to use Taleb parlance. I think that as other channels have come and gone and changed their policies, email is something that uh, that is a protocol that nobody really owns. And yes, Google and Outlook can change their filters and make it harder to use right, which has been great for us because it means there's less people trying to do it well. Um, it's ultimately something that can only be controlled to an extent because ultimately we all need to get emails from people we do not know. We all need to get newsletters. It's only going to be able to be controlled to an extent. So that's why we're big believers in email. Other reasons include the fact that it's where we do business. We plan things in email, LinkedIn, social media channels, not as much. You know, you're perusing, you're, look at, you're looking at products or whatever. Uh, so, so I am still a big fan of email for that 
that reason. Um, I just think it's, it has gotten harder to do well, you know, for good reason. And as a result, you know, we, we have less spam, which is good. So. Yeah. So, so are you using LinkedIn as more of a, your research tool and then you're actually communicating directly with people on email? Is, is that the way that you're using LinkedIn more? Well, we're using it a variety of different ways, uh, but but again, it's uh, the way that we're using LinkedIn these days tends to be more about identifying commonalities, right? So that might be identifying, you know, mutual friends, secondary networks, and that sort of thing. Um, and and then, but still, you know, we're, we're these days primarily using email as as the the channel. Uh, but there's exceptions. You know, there's ways these things can play together. Um, but what we're what we're always trying to do is avoid what everybody else is doing. You know. Uh, and that's that's the key to making making this work is that that pattern interrupt. And so when somebody gets a message, they they're saying, okay, this is different. You know, this isn't this isn't like the last five pitches that I've gotten. And the most common way that this plays out is people won't know why they respond. I can't tell you how many responses we get that say this seems this seems different. I don't I never respond to these, but something's different about this. And I, yeah, we'll take some time to talk. And that's that's what we're going for. <laughs> so so give us a bit of that secret sauce. Like what now what's the subject header look like, you know, just take us through uh, an example of what an email typically looks like for you, for you. Yeah. Uh, there, there is no one way to do it. I'm sorry to be coy, but there's just, there just isn't. It just, it really depends on the market and who we're selling to, and a million different things. The secret sauce, though, I mean, the closest thing we have to that again is back to that commonality. You know, what is that? What is that actual connection? Are there friends in common? You know, we have campaigns going right now where we've said, okay, X Y Z agency has worked for uh, Nike, um, or, or rather, they have Nike as a client. Like, what if we identify? all the CM or all the people that used to work for Nike that are now in marketing departments and other companies. And we say, Hey, we've done a lot of work with Nike in the past. I saw you were here. Can we make some time to connect? You know, we're doing this down the third. Can we, can we talk? That's the, that's the secret sauce is be figuring out how to do that data, you know, how, how to build out that data at scale and do that. And, uh, and that's, that's the hard part. And that's, that's where the secrets live. And that's what we're really good at. And even if I said them, it'd be hard to do, <laughs> but that's, that's the main thing is even if you never hire us, I think if you start thinking in terms of, of commonalities and identifying the people that are actually likely to talk to you and, and kind of get rid of this idea of creating really complex funnels and all that stuff, that stuff matters. You know, the, the, the case studies, the proposals, all that stuff is important, but it's not important at the top of the funnel. It's important at the bottom of the funnel. So you you know, you, and you're not going to be able to test the stuff at the bottom of the funnel if there's nothing coming into the top. It all just becomes speculative, and that's the biggest, and that's the biggest thing that we see people waste. Not maybe not the biggest. One of the biggest things we see people wasting time on is, you know, all of this hand wringing about collateral and materials and positioning and the website and all the website's a little different, I guess. But you know, and all this other stuff, um, without having a tangible way to test it. You know, so that's why. Everything has to start with the, the top of the funnel, basically. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose that you know the older bar analogy comes in into play, where you don't you know walk into a bar and then ask someone, you know, probing questions straight away. You're building that relationship first. So it sounds like you're doing that. You're doing it through, you know, like you said, some some mutual uh, connection. Uh, as far as the platform you're using, so you know what what. I know you guys do it at scale, like you said, but if if I'm, you know, what what sort of platforms are you using? What works best? It's something that is, you know, definitely not an unsubscribe on the email, et cetera. Any tips there? 
Yeah, um, we have, you know, our own proprietary systems and stuff at this point. But uh, yeah, I think the main thing is that the idea is that, you know, each person you're reaching out to uh, is thinking that you've written them a custom email because you kind of have, you know, okay, it's it's not one-to-one, but it's, you, you've, you've identified a connection and you're, you, you are being specific with it. So, so again, yeah, you don't want to use a MailChimp. You don't, you don't want to have like unsubscribe links and all that stuff. And, and f- for the record, everything we do is, is in compliance with, with um, all the regulations with can spam in the U S and so on. So that the main thing is that you have a, you know, you have um, a signature with an address and, and all that stuff. But uh, that's, that's the most important thing is whatever system, you use and there's a whole lot. There's there's one called uh, there's there's Limbless. There's Airborne app, which is a really great one for teams um, by my buddy Lee Gladish. Uh, there's others like that that are are made for for outreach. The biggest heavyweight one is Outreach.io, and that's probably like the uh, you know the the aircraft carrier <laughs> of of outbound. So there's a lot of different systems to choose from. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I, I use a, a sales CRM called Copper. Integrates beautifully mm-hmm. with Gmail. And the great thing with that, you can send up to two thousand bulk emails a day. So you can, you know, select people, uh, send the message, which can be, you know, like you said, it's semi uh, personal. It's not directly to them, but it's got a theme, and uh, but it comes straight from your Gmail account. So. Um, so, you know, if you've got the capability in your sales CRM, that's great. So just flip to the agency owner at the moment, right? So sure. if I'm an agency owner, I'm listening to this at the moment and I'm thinking, you know, look, I, I need to bring in a, a salesperson. I don't know if I need someone full-time. And you talked before about fractional uh, business development. Just take us a little bit through what clients that works really well for. Yeah, so it's a good question. So I, I think... The first thing is is kind of identifying the stuff that you're never going to be able to do out of house, or maybe not never say never, but very it'll be very difficult to do out of house. And I think the main one is getting on calls and having a complex conversation and building that relationship, right? Like the relationship building, the whole point of relationship building is it can't really be outsourced, you know, once you actually have uh, a discourse like we have right now, right? So that's that's the main thing uh so but beyond that i think what does work really well is is opening those doors and taking care of top of the funnel and and this shouldn't seem that crazy because pretty much that's what every agency does for their clients right you know it's you're hired by a brand to go out and get them new customers create awareness create conversions etc it's just it's just that but done in a in a b2b context so that's how we're thinking about fractional new business is, you know, there's, there's a demarcation, there's clear things, there's things that we can consult clients on and say, Hey, we sh- you should do this differently, but we're never going to be able to get on the call and close deals. That said, you know, what, what we're, we are really good at is opening those doors and answer your question. Um, for us, we tend to be a good fit once an agency is, you know, has product market product service fit, you know, they have one to a few verticals that they feel really confident about that they know they can close deals in. Because uh, ultimately, we don't really want to work with anybody unless we know they can get a massive return on the investment. Um, so, you know, if if somebody's testing something, that's great as long as we both know that going in. But typically, we're working with agencies at you know the, I'd say roughly the ten to two hundred employee range, maybe a l- little bit above there, give or take. So, uh, I, so to answer the question more, I think that that what, for what we do, it tends to be a good fit for agencies where there's either an owner or a dedicated new business person that can get on 10 to 20 calls a week to close a deal. And that sounds like a lot, but 
each one's a half hour. That's, you know, a few hours and so on from there. So it's basically agencies that, you know, are looking to grow um, that are willing to put in that time and manage the sales process and so on. And I think, and, and honestly, like I, th- I think there's, there's other channels that work really well. I think inbound can work. I'm not saying that what we do is the only option, but I think that, what what we've seen not work are kind of agencies that want, want to, that that don't know that aren't that aren't ready to put in that time yet. You know, we hear a lot of, hey, uh, we're you know we're really busy with projects and we've got these active RFPs, but we know we really need to invest in ourselves and build a sales process and a sales funnel and all this stuff. Where it's sort of like, okay, you know, you have those three RFPs right now, but those are going to go away. And if you don't win them, you don't win enough of them, you know, you're not going to be able to rely on those happening again. So at some point, you know, you got to have somebody that's willing to get on sales calls, hear a lot of no's, hear a small percentage of yeses and build that process and get to those numbers. So that's ultimately what we're looking for. People that kind of get it, to get that that's the process, you know, <laughs> to, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, and, to win business considerably. And, yeah. and um the, you know, is there any video? So uh, I know that, you know, I've been testing doing, um, and this is more personal, right? More custom, but, you know, finding people on LinkedIn and then sending them a personal video, you know, a minute, et cetera, introducing myself. Are you, you know, is that something that you've seen work, not work? I know you do custom, but yeah. H- how does video start to play in, uh, in email outreach? Yeah, it's a great question. And to be honest, we're not super adept at it. We're we're what we're really good at is is the data and in running these campaigns at scale and that sort of thing. Uh, but we've had clients do that really well. I think it can it can it can really be useful. I would just say that you kind of want a system whereby you um you're not taking on too much time based risk, you know. So you might not want to send be making a custom. If it were me doing it, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I'd be thinking about like, okay, you know, maybe once somebody's opened but hasn't responded, then that's when I'm going to make a personalized email because that that way I know I have proof of life before I put in those five, ten minutes, or whatever. So that's that's kind of the way I would think about it. But yeah, I think I, I've heard it works great. It makes perfect sense that it would be really effective. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So as a quick example, you know, you send um, in the connection request, you say that you're going to send a personal video, then you know, you get their email. And you let them know that, you know, this is how you found their email, et cetera, right? So you're being completely transparent while you're reaching out. And then before you'd send the video, then you'd send them an email saying, you know, we connected on LinkedIn. I said I was going to do that. Are you still open to receiving a video? And then that's a proof point, I suppose, to say, okay, it's validated. Now, there are some ways that you can use, you know, different um you know, do videos with all the, the common names and then you can send them yeah. out. So there's other ways of doing it. But, uh, yeah, I think that's worked really well. Um, Brian, and the, the I did have one other question, but it just, uh, just escaped me. But um, why don't we now move uh, into the live section? And before we do that, I'd like to talk about, you know, how you can build repeatable sales outside of referrals. So Dan's doing a brilliant job on, on agencies, but if you're a, a, a you know, low seven-figure business and you want to get, you know, more sales outside of referrals, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash sales. So you'll learn the three steps to deliver repeatable sales in my free masterclass. You know, uh, the three key steps is one, the sales funnel. 
So uh, like Dan said, it doesn't have to be overly complicated, but that's one key thing. The second is lead generation. So a lot of the great tips that Dan's already mentioned. And the third thing is one too many sales, which I think is often the tool that's not used the most. So on the 17th of Feb, 2021, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when the live webinar is on. So go to paulhickensmentoring.com forward slash sales. So as I said, the next section is the live section, Dan. And what are some daily habits that help you be successful? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that uh, I'm not always good, but when I am being good, I I like to do you know a lot of the deep work a lot of the kind of like resistance heavy work uh first thing in the morning and i think that's just when i'm most productive so i try to avoid anything admin related you know until kind of like later in the afternoon until until i'm brain dead you know and that's when filling out forms and that sort of thing comes into play so that's that's the biggest one and i think for me that's meant you know not not checking email until i've taken care of that task and then figuring out the top three tasks the previous day, you know, when I've, when I've done that journaling. Um, I, I think beyond that, you know, I think a big thing is just kind of understanding what's going on on the ground. So you kind of have this lofty high level view and then you have kind of getting into the, into the weeds and figuring out, okay, what's actually happening in our clients' accounts, what meetings have come in overnight or, or in the last 24 hours, uh, you know, when, when are the next meetings with clients scheduled and, and that sort of thing and just kind of taking stock um, and that's, you know, probably coming in the middle of the day a little bit more. Uh, and, and then beyond that, I think just, just a consistent journaling practice is really helpful just for a lot of different reasons for planning and for emotional health and, and all those sort of things. So those are, those are probably my top three. Yeah. And when do you journal? Uh, mostly, mostly in the, in the evening, you know, and, and from there I'm, I've, I've kind of like adapted the process overall, I'll give a shout out. Taylor Pearson, um, has a really good productivity course. And I took that years ago now and we're, I mean, Taylor and I are still friends and uh, I've sort of adapted his model and added, added more things. So usually I'll try to, you know, kind, kind of like um, check boxes that I know need to be checked. So I'll ask myself about exercise and, and that sort of thing. And then also just tasks that I, I got done and things that I've learned and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then yeah. planning the next day. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, I'm just looking at my phone now. But uh, I use the app called Done, uh, D-O-N-E, and it's fantastic like that. It it basically, um, it's got the little, you know, um, uh, what you haven't finished during the day. So you can just go in and it ticks off and then you can create streaks. And there's so many times that I'm thinking, I just couldn't be bothered exercising today. Etc. And yeah. then, you know, it's sitting there. And I'm like, I've got to get the streak. I've had 31 days of, of exercise in a row. I've got to get it. So I find something like that hugely uh, beneficial. So, um, yeah, just, just one more thought on that. It's funny. Like I, I used to do something more like that. And for me personally, I found it to be kind of fun to, or, or more like effective to do a negative streak where it's like, I can miss a day. I don't want to miss two days. I don't want to create a negative. Right. So it's like, yeah. okay, I fell off. I didn't whatever exercise or something. And then, but I don't want to do that twice in a row. Right. So I think, and if you're, if you're just getting started with it, maybe you have like a longer negative streak. It's like, okay, it's been three days since I've exercised. I don't want to make the streak any longer, you know? So I guess it depends on your, uh, your disposition. Yeah. True. True. And, and you can actually have negative habits as well. So you can create the flip in in that app. You just talked about deep work just quickly. You know, are you someone that, um, you know, works to, you know, the Pomodoro technique, you know, certain time 
or you just allocate the the morning, for example, to, to work on deep work? Yeah, it's funny because I, I feel like um, a lot of my effectiveness comes from trying to figure out what are the Pomodoro tasks that I can complete because I feel like a lot of my work is, is sales related for the business, which tends to, you know, unless you're building a proposal or something like that, tends to not be as deep worky, you know, as other things. So that's that's always what I'm trying to think about. Like, what is what are the, those sorts of tasks that are going to be worth using a Pomodoro on? But but yeah, to answer your question, I definitely love that technique and it's it's useful. Yeah, yeah, excellent. So the next section is the give section. So what's a charity or a community that you're passionate about and why? Yeah, and I wish I was more active with with charities because there isn't one organization right now. But I, I think you know one one cause that I try to help out with and, and you know casually in different ways is just trying to make entrepreneurship more accessible. I, I think that you know there's in a lot of ways like Silicon Valley and these big companies have sort of rarefied entrepreneurship and made it for people that are really good at coding or that are like insanely intelligent or have like crazy you know amounts of confidence and all these things. And I, I don't think that has to be the case. So as much as I can, like I like to talk to people at early stages and see how I can help and all that good stuff. And in terms of community, um, uh, jujitsu, like especially here in New York has just been the most fun and diverse group of people I've ever encountered. We have, you know, all races, all genders, uh, cops, criminals, every walk of life, wall street guys, plumbers, et cetera. <laughs> so that's, that's a definitely a community I'm, I'm into. Yep. Yeah. And, and do you still practice that now that you, you can't do um, it in person? Yeah. It's been, it's been tougher now with, uh, with, with the pandemic and everything. Um, but in small groups, you know, in responsible ways of tried to. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. Uh, well, it depends over here at one stage, you had to wear a mask even outdoors. So activities yeah. like jiu-jitsu um, became difficult, but I used to always love when I traveled and, I could, you know, what someone do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like you said, you know, it would be a, a highlight if you're on a beautiful beach and next minute, you know, there's a group of people that are, that are <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's, 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 well, I found it therapeutic to watch. Uh, I'm assuming it's even better when you're doing it, but it was very therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. Th- therapeutic is what you need to fix yourself up after. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. And it's funny. Like, uh, I guess it was kind of formed on a beach, but in the U.S., it's mostly just like a, a gym thing because <laughs> of the weather and everything. But that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something you can do in Oz. Yeah, yeah. And and look, uh, I just want to mention a, a charity that I'm passionate about. It's called the Purple House. And my book, Build, Live, Give, all the proceeds of that go to the, the Purple House and also the uh, portion of my total funds of my business go to the Purple House. You can find out more at um, purplehouse.com.au. So the last section is the rapid fire section where I'll ask you some questions and get some quick rapid responses. So the first one is what are your top three personal effectiveness tips? Yeah, I think the main one. I'm I'm a big like low information diet kind of guy, and uh, you know it's not right for everybody. I get yelled at by my mom a lot for not knowing what's going on in the world, but that's that's been helpful for me. Is just limiting information, treating information like food. You know, you don't eat crap endlessly. You have to you're careful. Ideally, you're careful about what you eat. So that's that's big for me. Um, I, I think uh, another has just been you know reading um, older books, reading things that have kind of stood the test of time. 
especially now it's like, I either want to read things that are old and if so the test of time, or I want to read something that's brand new and like a really fresh take on what's going on, but like everything in the middle, I'm just not as interested in anymore, <laughs> uh, which is the, the, something I could talk a lot more about. Um, and then I, I think, I think the third one has just been, you know, kind of like almost like constantly testing, um, the right cadence of communication with across the board, you know, with, with our team, with clients, with prospects, you know, so I I think that there's a lot of um, things changing, you know, we've always been remote, so it hasn't, it hasn't been as disruptive to us personally, but regardless, we're interfacing with the rest of the world. And I think there's a lot of like, you know, testing that's being done. So it's a kind of a moving target. So I'm not sure if that answers the question, but that's kind of what's on my radar these days. That's cool. Now, um, this next one, the next couple is it's a sip of a beer. Okay. So the rapid fire. So the next one is technology. So what's a piece of technology you couldn't run your business without? Yeah, the CRM. Uh, uh, for us, it's streak. Um, I, I think all of these things have their their own pros and cons and idiosyncrasies. But if you're on Gmail, I think what's cool about it is, you know, it, it all lives in the email. So an email kind of ends up, like we've talked about, it kind of ends up becoming the nerve center. So there's lots of things that I like about it. So, you know, we and it tells me things all the time uh, that, you know, w- would would be hard to live without. Like, you know, just how, how long people are staying in each stage of our funnel and you know, where we need to put our attention and that sort of thing. So that's, that's probably the biggest, um, beyond that, you know, we're not super techie, you know, and as much as people might think, I think that, um, in B2B, you can, you can definitely over automate. So, uh, that's, that's one thing we're always thinking about, but I, I use Evernote. That's kind of where I journal. So that's big for me, the, the G suite. Um, and there's probably other things, better proposals like that a lot for the proposal side of things. Yep. Yeah, great. Well, look, uh, I'll use all of those. And the last question is the big question, and that's why I leave it at the end. What impact do you want to leave on the world? Yeah, it's a big question. Um, I, I hate to give you a cop-out because it's kind of a tie back to what I was talking about earlier, but I think it's it's making making entrepreneurship more accessible to more of the world, you know, to more people. And I think that word might have to change. It might even, it might even go beyond... Uh, just literally owning a business, you know, I think it could be more about entrepreneurial qualities and stuff, but I think that's, that's now. <laughs> Great. And uh, look, you can also hear Dan on his podcast. And I know I've listened, he interviews some amazing people, the digital agency growth podcast. So uh, look that up wherever you listen to podcasts and give a shout out to Dan that, you know, you heard him on, uh, on this one. So um, it's been fantastic having you on, Dan. I think you've you know got a very uh, relaxed style that works well with relationships in a world where yes, we are bombarded with a, a lot of sales messages. Which you know, let's be honest, I often say to someone, you know, you're sending it out, but would you receive that? And so often people say no. So I think your style is refreshing. Like you said, you know, you want to. Um, Zig when everyone else is zagging and uh, it was great to have you on the show and you can find more about Dan at sales schema which is s-c-h-e-m-a.com so Dan absolute pleasure having you on today likewise Paul yeah thank you so much for the kind words really appreciate it cheers bye take care I really enjoyed that interview with Dan he's so relaxed and you can see how his style works really well versus all the noise 
and the, you know, the constant spam that you probably get on email and LinkedIn like everyone else does. So you can get the full show notes at on the episode. So they're all there. I know you might have taken some notes, but the show notes are there. I'd love to know your key takeaways, and so would Dan. So why don't you mention, even take a screenshot of the episode and mention the key things that you learn out of this. Dan would love you for it. Also, you can find more out about Dan at Sales Schema. So it's S-C-H-E-M-A dot com and also share. So if you know someone that's really struggling, uh, there may be an agency owner or any business struggling with leads. I think there's some great value here. Please share it with them. Uh, Also, if you want to build a great pipeline of leads outside of referrals, why don't you go to my free live masterclass that's going to be on the 27th of Feb, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash sales. Please take action to build, live, and give. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.